Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus What's going on? Welcome to Canal and Bell. Hey, now on a Monday. Busy weekend? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we running a, all over? Yeah, we had some games, some flag football, but we got a night out on town. Like, my parents kept the kids, so. That's a rarity, Yes, too. yes, yes. You gotta was... cherish it. Now, do you get after it, or do you, like, say low-key? Cause my wife and I, we usually, <laughs> even if we get a night out, and, like, we get a hotel room, and my parents, my kids are staying, yeah. we're usually still in bed, like, at 10, just exhausted, like, enjoying sleep. We were game. Like, we wanted to do it, but we wound up in bed relatively early. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, we, the rest was worth it, you know? Right? Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right, we got a big show for you. The AAF was in full force this weekend. The American, American Alliance of Football. Okay. Something, I think that's what it is. Good. I think they, get, they need a better acronym. Like, they need a better – it doesn't flow – Something a little off, catchier, yeah. It doesn't flow off the tongue mm-hmm. very well, but the product was received well. We're going right. to break that down a little bit. Dabo Sweeney, head coach of uh, Clemson, had some fairly interesting comments about the players that were suspended for their bowl season, and I don't think it's a real good look for Clemson. We're going to get to all that, but first – we got to look at it because right here on CBS Sports HQ, mm-hmm. we had Anthony Edwards, the number one high school recruit in the country, commits to. It was coming. I was bummed. I was really into it because it was yeah. between uh, Georgia, Florida State, and one other Duke. I think was the other school, and or Kentucky. Excuse me, Kentucky. And he ends up going to Georgia. So I was a little bit bummed on it, but still big news for him. And Georgia gets a winner, which. Tom Crean desperately needs yeah. because their Florida Georgia has been struggling recently. They're ten and thirteen this year. They're one and nine in the SEC, and they need players. They're getting a pretty good. You know, we were watching some video of them this morning. Yeah, five two fifteen. He's a baller. They need it though. Yeah, they do. Look, this is a win for for Georgia and Tom Crean, and, and uh, they got a really good player in Nicholas Claxton. There, it's a six eleven kind of do it all, like wing forward. Um, but this is a big help. It's interesting that Duke wasn't on his list because Duke seems to be on right. The list that's why them. I just assumed. Yeah, no, yeah, seriously, they're like on everybody. Uh, um, but this kid's a baller. Like, you know, 6'5", great body for high school, 215, um, can handle it, can shoot it, uh, can make tough shots because of the body and can finish in the paint. Like, he's a three-dimensional type of guard. Um, he'll be really good. But Tom Crean, this is interesting to me because, you know, you told me about the Tom Crean comments. I hadn't heard him before where he's kind of throwing – you know, his, his team kind of under the bus a little bit. Comments. After right. they had another loss, the one and nine in conference, he said, it's all on me because I'm the one who decided to keep these guys talking about his current roster. Right. And I get it because the last thing I can do with making decisions on keeping guys in the program in the spring is now overly get mad at them because I'm the one who made the decision. I live with that every day and it doesn't mean that they're not great kids, but very few programs when there's a takeover, changing coach, right? Uh, when you have guys who haven't done it at any really point, any point really in their career, a lot of those guys move on. That's what happens when there's a job change. And I didn't do that. And I'm not going to complain. And we've just got to do everything we can do to fix it. Except you are. Like you, you're yeah. publicly throwing them on the bus. You are complaining that you didn't ask all of these guys to move on. And in fairness to Tom Cream, like there's a reason like why the old regime got fired. Um, a lot of that has to do with. You know, the kids that you've recruited and brought in and when to, whether they perform up to, you know, what you thought they were able to do or not. And most of these kids haven't lived up to it. Now you could say they need to be coached better. 
the coach will probably tell you they, they need to play better. But point being, there's a reason why though that coach got fired, and it has something to do with those kids that are currently there. So, Tom Crean, I'm with you. He's but, just got to be really careful because you don't want to have a mutiny in that locker room. No. Because you, they're going to read these comments. But, when, uh, there were some comments on Twitter from some parents. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, you, like, what? This is ridiculous. Why would you throw our kids under the correct. bus? Correct. My next, my next point to Tom Crean would be, like, you, you should have – a window laid out with administration and with, with your, with your, um, athletic director. You, you shouldn't feel the pressure to have to come out and be defensive as a coach at this point. He should know that this is a four year job for you. I've got it. Listen, when I take the job, you understand that I've, I need four years to get rid of some of this stuff that can't really help me and bring in my type of kids like Anthony Edwards. So this seems like Tom Creens is feeling some kind of pressure as if his seat is hot. And I guess it shouldn't be at this point. So I don't really love you going out in the media throwing these kids under the bus. Like whether you want to do that in private or not, I think everyone around the organization or the, they probably know that the kids aren't good enough, but you shouldn't have to come out and throw them under the bus. What do we, what do we do uh, when, when kids transfer? Like what is the narrative around? Like, and it's, it's changing significantly. Yeah. There's always been a kids take a lot of heat, a lot of criticism for leaving. Sure. This is, the, and, and the coaches are still complaining. The coaches don't love it. Right. And what Tom Crean is basically hinting at here is that a lot of those guys move on. Like they transfer, they leave, and he's like, but I decided to keep them. Like you can't have it both ways. You can't complain about kids when they transfer. Right. And then on the other side, complain about the kids that stuck with it and didn't transfer, which is essentially what he's doing. Unless, That's why I have a problem with unless it. Unless they're losing games for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I get what he's saying. Right. And you can maybe, I don't even know, maybe you can say that in the locker room, but again, you don't air these problems out to the media because I think it's going to be significantly a, a significant challenge now for Tom Crean to get those guys to buy in. Because it's one thing if you challenge guys' effort right. as a coach. You can say, hey, you're not giving me enough effort. Mm -hmm. You guys aren't listening. You guys are making mental mistakes. You guys aren't doing the work. But if you send a message that you're just not good enough, that's not going to be received real well within the locker room. Like, how do you respond to that? If you're like, well, our coach thinks we stink. Ultimately, I don't think he cares because I, okay. he's one, he, at this point, he realizes I have to clean house. Like, you may have a Nicholas Claxton and a couple other pieces that remain from an old regime that, that can help you. Um, and I, quite frankly, I don't even know if Nicholas was his recruit or not, but the point is, I don't, I really think at this point you're trying to run guys away. You've been in programs. Yeah. Where, where coaches are, they're going to make your life as hard as possible because they're trying to force your hand as a player to get you out of there. Like I've seen it. You know, like guy just wants to finish his degree. He's cool with just being there. Yep. And the coach is just going to dog him and make his life a living hell because he needs that, he needs that roster spot. He needs yep. that scholarship to give to somebody who can play. Takes me to another conversation. I know we're not supposed to do it, but the reclassification thing. Cause I got a, I have a young sixth grade son. Mm -hmm. Um, cause Anthony Edwards, was supposed to be a class of 2020 so, recruit. So everyone was like, he reclassed up. Oh my God. And RJ Barrett, he reclassed up. So they went from like 2020 to 2019 or they went from 2019 to 2018. It's amazing, but they've already been reclassed down, right? So like Anthony Edwards is where he originally should have been, right? He was an already reclassed kid. And it opens the conversation because a lot of kids are doing it now, like reclassing. Like I want to reclass my, my sixth grader because he's young. He's 11. He doesn't turn 12 until, until the end of school. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't see the harm in it. Do you know what I mean? Do you, you have any, were you held back? No, I was a baby. And when I came out, I was like six, five, 175. I couldn't gain any weight no matter what I ate. My body wasn't ready to do it. And after my freshman year in school, I picked up 20 pounds and I was almost putting my elbows on the rims with a little bit of weightlifting and a year of maturity. If that had been my prep year, like what I tell my wife is that's the difference between me going to Boston University or me possibly going to like Florida State University. Right. That one year of maturity and strength, you know? 
And so, like, I'm with the reclassifying. And if your kid is good enough and he's matured earlier than you thought he would and you want to bump him back up yeah, once that, he's that a junior option. or a senior, do it. See, that's what that's the same view I had. I was held back. I did kindergarten twice. Right. And my parents would tell you it was for a couple of things. My, my dad, probably the real intention was athletics. Like, right. he wanted me to have an edge and be one of the older, stronger kids, mm-hmm. which I was. Academically, it helps you. I don't know what the rush is, why parents would put him in there. Sometimes I think the school systems say, hey, your kid must start kindergarten when they're five, whatever right. the age is, so you get out in front of it. But to your point, you're better off being able to reclassify up and say, all right, he's mature at the time, right? rather than a situation like yours where you're like, man, now it's kind of too late. Now he's stuck. Now he has to go to college, and you kind of get off to a, a slow start yeah. because maybe you were a late bloomer. Yeah. Or maybe you were blooming on time. And no, but we're one of the, you know, one of the so older kids in your class. They don't really care once, when you're seniors, right? And they're just looking at the top kids in the 2019, like, pool for NCAA basketball. Nobody's asking if you're 19 or 18. They don't care. No. It's not like, so my point is like, why wouldn't you want to be the older, more mature kid? They're, they don't, those programs, like Tom Crean doesn't have time to wait on, on a Raja Bell. At 6'5", 175, even if there's a higher ceiling for me as a pro than Anthony Edwards, and I'm not saying that there was, Anthony Edwards is a grown man. He's 6'5", 215. Yep. He don't care that he's a year further in his progression <laughs> than I am. He, don't, he can help him tomorrow. Now, you know what I was just thinking about? Coca, Debo, Janita, everybody's Mikey. They're listening there. They yeah. have no kids, and they're probably like, "What? Why is this conversation <laughs> interesting to them?" But we're, all right, so let's keep it moving there. But you know, now you see what we're passionate right. about: our kids and uh, and where they are. And congrats to uh, Anthony Edwards. He's going to for Denver. sure. We'll, we'll be rooting for him as he's going. Uh, the Lakers played the Sixers. They got uh, blown out again. There's been a lot of talk about the Lakers. How are they handling all those trade rumors? Because there was the ugly game in Indiana. Then they come back from down to mm-hmm. Boston. So. I think there's going to be a lot of drama for this Lakers team throughout the second half of the season. I just think there is. I don't think that just goes away. I think Luke Walton's tenure is very much in question. I think there's a power struggle going on. So I think it's going to be fascinating to watch how it plays out. But one of the most fascinating things to watch play out was not only the fact that they got beat here, but you pointed out when LeBron was covering Ben Simmons, your thoughts were what? Just utter disrespect. Because? He didn't guard him. (laughs) He, there were times when, like, Ben Simmons had the ball, like, here, he's at the top of the key. Yep. LeBron is actively guarding Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick, who are in floppy action, coming off the of pin downs. Yep. So, like, he is literally not guarding Ben Simmons. There were times where Ben Simmons got down to the three-point line, and LeBron was below uh, another offensive player and another defender. So, like, he's nowhere in the frame with Ben Simmons. It's utter disrespect. And there are times where you'll play mind games with people. Like, for you know sure, what I mean? Where sure. But I've never seen someone just completely make a mockery of it. He made a mockery of that last night. And and look, I'm a LeBron fan. Like, I, I, I've said it before. But typically, NBA guys don't do that to each other. Like, you know, I might talk so a little junk to you. there is kind of an unwritten code. That like, you don't, you don't just not. Up. Yeah, you that's showing somebody up. You're just not going to guard that guy. Right. Now, the kicker is it didn't work. They scored 147 points. So it, it didn't really matter. But I thought that was... That was a little, that was interesting because you usually don't see LeBron make, make a mockery. That was a pure mockery of like Ben Simmons inability, like to make a jump shot and, and his perceived inability to score the ball. And I think Ben Simmons, like if, if you didn't have the motivation to do it, having LeBron, who probably you think you're pretty cool with do that to you yeah. should be all the impetus you need to get in the gym and round that, that, that offensive game out a little bit with, with an ability to shoot the ball. Here's uh, Joel Embiid and J.J. Redick. After the game, they were asked about his shooting prowess or lack thereof. Yeah. His reaction to uh, Ben shooting a three, real casual like. I wasn't shocked by it. I wasn't shocked by it. You sure? 
<laughs> I thought it, I, I thought it was going in. It was it was actually going in. Uh, me personally, I was uh, I was getting ready, I was getting ready to run the play, and then I just literally I just saw the ball go over, and then I was uh, oh, <laughs> and then he caught me yeah. off guard, and then I'm like I'm in a position where I'm like okay like. Like what? Whatever. Like what just happened? I mean, it's obviously a problem for Ben Simmons. I mean, he has to develop a jump shot, doesn't he? Yeah, he succeed with the way because even his own teammates, the way they looked at each other, they were like, "Uh oh, what are we supposed to say about this?" And Joel, like JJ Reddick, gave the politically correct answer. Yeah, Joel Embiid, as he does, kind of shoots from the hip, and he's like, just starts laughing, and he's like, kind of saying, "So the like the cat is out of the bag on him. LeBron is doing this to him. Is this going to be everybody's game plan? Just kind of let him go until he gets inside the top of the key?" Yeah, I, I don't. Again, they scored 147 points. <laughs> right. So I don't know that that he's is. He's never known for being a jump shoot dude, that, guy. That was the first, like, real three pointer. Like, I guess he's throwing up some, like, like, you yeah, know, desperation heaves and stuff like that. But that is his first, like, I'm going to shoot this three of his career, Danny. <laughs> like that, that's re- pretty remarkable. And so look, the six, I want to talk about the Sixers and the Lakers, but as far as Ben Simmons is concerned, there's a ceiling with what he can be as a player without a jump shot. It's an all star. It's a high ceiling. Like yeah. he's still. Remarkable, and for a team that's got a lot of weapons offensively, he doesn't have to be able to score the ball because he, you know, instinctively wants to get off of it and create plays and do that anyway. But if he were to get a jump shot, doesn't even have to be a prolific one. Like if he could score and have people just respect it a little bit, then the ceiling becomes like superstardom for him because he's a really, really gifted player. Yep. That is going to hold him back to some degree. So let's talk about the Lakers. They are who they are. They were inconsistent before all the stuff with the trade rumors, before LeBron got hurt. They were inconsistent after LeBron got hurt without him. They're going to be inconsistent down the stretch. I think at the end of the day, they probably still sneak into the playoffs. Like once LeBron is is healthy, he's still dragging right now. I don't think his groin is hurt, but he's not in shape. Um, I still think they eke in, but they are not going to automatically or all of a sudden catch fire and take the NBA by storm. They might have a stretch where they reel off five or six. I don't know, but they're not going to like light it up and become this threat in the playoffs to somebody in the Western Conference. They're not built like that. And the Sixers, the Sixers look good. Yeah. Like we knew on paper that it was a big trade, but Tobias Harris has really opened up, um, their offense and stretched the floor. And I think we were talking to Debo. Debo said that. J.J. Reddick, small sample size, has like a 97% true field goal percentage since Tobias is there. Teams before Tobias got there would just sit in J.J.'s lap. Like, we're not going to leave him because right. he's the only one that will shoot this ball. But now you got two guys out there that can shoot, and it just puts a little bit of stress on everybody to, to be in help position. You can't just stay home on two of them because everything at the rim is going to be open. So now you got to leave one. He's open. Now somebody's got to run at him. That guy's open. Now somebody's got to run at him. That guy's open. And now JJ Reddick's open. And the whole game plan was not to leave JJ Reddick open. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So that's really been a good trade for them. Small sample size. Yep. It's totally opened up. Magic Johnson said after the game, everybody in the East better watch out. Magic was also asked about the lack of a deal being made, uh, for Anthony Davis and talking about the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, he was asked about all these issues because I think it was a bad week for the Lakers. I think ultimately in the end, it was probably a better thing for them that they didn't get fleeced. Right. But still, I thought it was an embarrassing look for Magic as he's trying to make this deal and every deal is getting upped and they look desperate. So afterwards, he was talking about the younger players in their team and exactly like I was just talking about, like, hey, I wonder how they respond to this. Trade rumors are a part of the business. It's a part of being a professional athlete, he said on Saturday. I'm going to hug them and tell them 
that we got to come together and our goal is still in reach, which is to make the playoffs. He also said, quit making this about thinking these guys are babies because that's what you're treating them like. They're professionals, all of them. Right. They are professionals. It's your job. Um, I'm, I'm with, I, I mean, I'm with magic in that no one owes the players anything. You owe the player his paycheck. It's what he gets paid to do, right? Yep. Provided he comes there and does the service that he's been contracted to do. That's it. The rest of it, you're a moving part. You, you are a commodity, like if you're a player. So there's, players should go in knowing there's zero allegiance from, from teams. When they can find something better that serves them better than you do, they will pull that trigger. Doesn't matter what you've done for them. Doesn't matter how many years you've been there. That's like, get that out of your mind. But it was a bad look for everybody involved. Yes. Bad look for the Lakers brand that they couldn't pull that off. It's a bad look for Magic and Rob Palenka. It's strike number two. You struck out on Paul George. Now you struck out on the Anthony Davis thing so far. Like they could still come back to the table. It's a bad look for LeBron's brand because it, at least public perception is that he's the one that doesn't want the guys he currently plays with. Right. And now he's back in the locker room with all of those guys. So they got to be looking at him kind of like sideways a little bit. Ultimately, I think that goes away. Um, but I think Magic's point is like to the media, like stop talking about it and it will go away. As long as you guys perpetuate like this problem and this, this thing that we have here, we don't get over it because it's on the top, the tip of everybody's tongue. Let it go. We're ready to play basketball, which those guys should be ready to do. I think Magic though was speaking a little bit out of both sides of his mouth because his first comment says, I'm going to hug them and tell them that we got to come together and our goal is still reach. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, I was literally thinking of the picture when Magic goes in there and tries to hug Kyle Kuzma or Brandon Ingram. And yeah. those guys are probably rolling their eyes like, this dude wants to give me a hug and he was about to trade me a week ago. Like, I don't think that just goes away. And then the next time he can make, he, you know, he's talking about the media and you guys treat him like babies because that's, you know, tr but they're professionals. I think they're humans too. And I think or their feelings do get hurt. And it all depends on how Magic and LeBron get these guys to respond because they can't, if they can get them to buy in and say, Hey, Maybe you're playing for your future here. You know, maybe right. if you ball out the second half, maybe we'll keep you when we won't trade you. Or if you just tell them, because this is always the the teams, the bad teams that I was on, the coach's message was always like, once you were eliminated for the playoffs and there's four or five games left, it was, hey, you guys might be playing for your future here, but you might be playing for your future somewhere else, so you better give me good effort. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's got to be the message that you give them. Because ultimately, you are playing for yourself. Like you're playing for a team, but you want to maximize your career and earn as much money as you can and play as long as you can. So every time you take the court, you better yeah, act like that. No, for sure. Now, to some degree, Magic has this like, you know, I'm Magic, so right. these guys are gonna want me to hug them. Listen to your point, Magic. Like, get the hell out of here, bro. Right. Like, you just tried to trade me. Like, you know what I mean? I still don't have to be a pro. And this is a harsh like introduction for some of the younger players into what professional sports is about you know like it doesn't always make you feel great like there are times where it hurts your feelings and you feel disrespected you still got to come to work and do your job and the reality of their situation is they are still in a playoff hunt they can still salvage the season so let's come together we are who we are now we're all here good bad or whatever we're stuck together now let's go ahead and get in the playoffs make it a positive thing and what you would want to do to some of those guys is say hey man you think this is bad? You think because your little name got floated around in some little boo-boo rumors that, that this is all bad? Look at what happened to Isaiah Thomas a couple years ago. Look at that. That cat lost tens of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. All right? Like business is business. You you want to be here? Or would you like to be walking in his shoes right now, never able to get that money back? Yours ain't that bad, homie. Let's strap him up. We got a game to play tonight. You know? And then that's the conversation that, that has to be had. And it sucks because, like, we're humans. Yep. Like, to your point. And their feelings involved. But when you're dealing with your money and you're dealing with the NBA and you're dealing with the NFL and big business like that where billions of dollars are at stake, 
you got to let your feelings go, bro, to the best of your ability and go out there and do your job. Clip that and send it to Magic and play it for the Lakers. <laughs> they need to hear that message right there. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Uh, you know what else was in full force, which I am a fan of? Is the uh, AAF, yeah. the uh, Alliance of American Football. Definitely need a new name, though. The AAF is just too hard to say for uh, broadcasters out there. So I was very skeptical of this league because we've seen these things happen before. We had the UFL. We had way back, we had the USFL. Yep. We had Europe football. And they've all failed, right? They've all not worked out in the end. I thought this league, now granted, it got a huge boost having its game in primetime on CBS on Saturday night when there wasn't a lot else to watch that was out there. It was an NBA game, which the AAF uh, actually outrated. More people watched football. Yeah. I think it speaks a lot to football. But I thought the product was pretty good itself. It's different than the NFL. Significant rule changes. No kickoffs. No extra points. Uh, the play clock is shortened, so the game moves faster. One of the games ended in like two hours and ten minutes. So okay. Like, you're shortening up the games. Uh, they were blowouts, which I don't think helped the league. There was some, some games that got kind of sideways. Orlando defeated Atlanta 40 to 6. You know, 26 nothing for Birmingham over Memphis. Once they get some compelling games, I think it'll be better. And I'm kind of in between on, well, is this a home run? Cause I don't know yet. I think it had a fantastic first weekend. It had an awesome start. But now you gotta see, do fans that watch it on big CBS, do they follow it now to CBS Sports Network? Do they fall in love with some of the players? And there are some recognizable names. Most of the guys on the squads have played in the NFL at one point or another, and they're kind of making comebacks. Yeah, I would imagine a lot of those guys are guys that you saw in preseason football, right? Exactly. Um, but I do think it's a better – I think it's better than preseason football because in preseason football there's a mix of guys. Some of them are trying to make the team, and some of them are starters, and they're just so you're saying the saying playing hard versus and, – and a mix of people playing hard for a job and other guys that just really don't want to be in that game. Exactly. Right. And this, the difference in the AAF, is that all these guys are dying to make it to make a roster. So you're assuming they're going to go out there and give it their all, which I thought you could tell. Now this is uh, all right, so let me compare it to like N NBA. This isn't this isn't a rival of the NFL. Is this going to be like a G League situation? Is. is there totally. an affiliation they, with they, the NFL? Not yet, but so they're starting, the XFL is starting. They have a lot of connections like Bill Polian's a Hall sure. of Famer, he's sure. one of the start founders of the league. They want to generate cuz they know the big money's in the NFL when the NFL, but the NFL probably smart saying, "Well, let's see how this thing goes right. before we back up the truck." Right. I think it's fantastic. You get the minor league aspect of it because there's really no options for guys. And I appreciate it because I had to go play arena football yep. for a year before I could get back in. It's a totally different game. Like this one's slightly different with some of the rules. And it was a little bit harder. Like there weren't some of the things in place like healthcare, like some important things. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what that looks like in this league, but football needs a minor league. It's college football now. But after four years or five years, you're done with that opportunity. So if you want to continue to play the game, 
and you still feel like you have a chance, you've got to go do it in another league, which is what this gives you. Is there a age restriction like there is in the NFL? Do you have to be three years removed from your high school uh, I class? Think there is now. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I don't think if you wanted to skip college, this is an alternative. I don't uh, think you can do that. I do now because they're, they're they don't want to step on the NCAA's toes and college football toes, and they're trying to like keep everybody. Happy. Isn't there a league coming up? Like there's a league like a West Coast league or something like that where guys and it's purely for those guys that don't want to go to college. There might be. Right? I think there might. I think there is one of those leagues. Yeah. There's the XFL. All these are probably. See, the bad thing is that probably all is going to oversaturate that market. Like, you need one to stand out. And there's even some speculation that maybe the XFL and this AAF might merge at some time. Right. I think that would be smart because there's – I don't know if there's enough to compete with each other. There's definitely a need for a product like minor league football – but I don't know if there's enough where you can have these competing competing properties. leagues. Yeah, I so well, they used to do that in basketball, and you had like the IBA, and you had the IBL, and you had the CBA, and then you had the USBL, and you had the NBA, like you know. And so the NBA came in and bought, which was the old CBA, and then they started to make the the, the it was the D League at the times, right at the time. And then now every NBA team just about has a G League affiliate, but it's all NBA. So like because these cities that are probably going to love their their team, right? You're talking about Salt Lake, who has a really good fan base in terms of sports, and then. You know, like Birmingham doesn't have a team and Orlando doesn't have a team. And Memphis. so Memphis doesn't have a team. You're going to, you're not, your best players are gone. I have to imagine like they, their, their aspirations are to go back to the NFL or get to the sure. NFL. So they're not going to be there to be able to sustain it. Um, at some point you have to probably want to be gobbled up by the NFL and become a true farm system, right? Where yeah. you might be able to get like a, I don't know, gangster wide receiver or running back coming off of a rehab. Like to come down there and maybe I I, I don't know like some yeah. kind of model like that I don't know that this can exist. Well, the timing of it's perfect because it literally we just had the Super Bowl a week ago. People are starving for football, so you back it up right there. Yeah, but it also it's good for these guys because it's a ten game season, so it'll be done, and then these guys can go to camp in the NFL and yeah, then, you know, if they get a roster spot. So I think it is. So it can't really be a farm system then. I mean, it can't, I mean, it can be a farm right. system off season. It can't be a farm system that's running congruent with the NFL season. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. So they have some pretty big names. They have Trevor Knight, Aaron Murray, one of our colleagues at CBS Sports that Network, Trent Richardson, former Alabama back. Do you know who Mike Bercovici is? He was a quarterback at ASU. A word? He got his welcome to the AAF moment. Was Ready he for this? Got the, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he so got lit he up. He got absolutely oh, – he got destroyed. He got decapitated. His helmet came off. Oh. Now, the thing that was very interesting about this – do you see any penalty on the field? I saw no penalty. I don't see it. any penalty either. I don't think this should be a penalty. He didn't. He well, maybe it was around the chest concussion <laughs> protocol, but definitely would have been a penalty in the NFL. He didn't hit him with the top of his helmet or anything, did he? I, was, I didn't think so. Can we, can we see it again? Yeah, can we see it again? Because that's a really good hit. I thought he took him a little bit high in here. You got to go a little bit lower in the NFL. Like, could you imagine if that's? Um, Aaron Donald, and that's Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Like, oh. this is going to be a – he might get tossed out of the game. Yeah, I know. You might get suspended. He can handle. Look, Markovici's fine. Markovici. He's hey. fine. Yeah, oh. that's, yeah, that's a definite penalty. Yeah, that's a that's a decleater right there. He's yeah. off his cleats right there. All right, so keep watching out for that. Should be pretty fun. AAF. Yeah, AAF. Good looking out. CBS Sports and Network. Uh, check it out the rest of the season. All right. You know who's not getting anything? Oh. Justin Fields. He's moving yes, he on. is. Yeah, well, he's getting to play. Yeah. That's what he's getting. But he, Well, hopefully he's not getting anything or he'll be in trouble. <laughs> but he has been granted immediate eligibility at Ohio State after spending his freshman year at Georgia and getting to play. Didn't have to use his red shirt. Um, this is becoming more and more commonplace. I think it's a good thing. I really do. I think the NCAA is using more common sense yeah. when they're looking at the transfer policies. It's becoming more and more of a college football free agency. 
Coaches do not like it. There was an article written by Adam Rittenberg on ESPN, and it said, you know, it had comments in there from David Shaw at Stanford, from James Franklin at Penn State. They're saying how challenging it is, how hard it is now. Well, that's why you get paid the big bucks is how to manage it. And I understand some of their frustration, but they really can't complain about it because the coaches hop from place to place without penalty all the time, and there can't be this double standard. Yeah, but listen, this is going to probably take you by surprise because I am always pro player yep. in the in this movement thing. But you have to be careful of opening it up and, and having it become true free agency where there's no penalty for the move. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if there was really – I think his case where like – like there was a clause where if 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 you feel like your uh your social like I don't know what it is essentially someone threw a racial slur at him right and he didn't feel comfortable like like being a student at that university anymore because of the social situation Th- that I I support that but when you have guys that are just leaving because they don't you know feel like they can start and stuff like that while I am for them leaving. If you start opening that up for them to be able to play immediately, just like you, that's a slippery slope, Danny. And now you've got exactly. players moving all over the place. So I, I always support a kid moving, but you got to sit your year. I'm okay with Justin Fields. Good for you, dude. Especially right. if, if Georgia was the atmosphere there was toxic in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, um, like well, racially so charged dynamics and stuff like that. But just generally speaking, you leave a school because your future isn't, isn't set in stone being able to start and so on like that. I'm cool with it, but you got to sit your year. Right. Well, see, I'm, I think the NCAA, and this is where the rules are purposely written very vague. There's a, a phrase in there that says if, if your experience negatively affects your career or something, something along right. those lines. And it's very vague because obviously Justin Fields felt like those racial slurs, so they're going to let him move. Yeah. I also think like a Tate Martell who's going to Miami, I think Urban Meyer leaving definitely affected yep. his future. And like he wasn't planning on going there to play for Ryan Day. I knew right. he was on the staff, but he didn't know he was going to be the head coach. So I think you look at that one, and I think he should be granted circumstances. Ability. Yeah. So, but I think the NCAA is using more common sense, and as opposed as opposed as opposed to taking this hard line. No, we're not going to let anybody transfer unless it's really, really egregious. I think they need to look at it from a more common sense standpoint. And I think the narrative has shifted so much that people are in agreement. They're like, yeah, this makes more sense. Let's let kids do it. Now the kids are taking advantage of it. Yeah, see, That's I'm, where I'm worried about it too. Right. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Like, you know that I'm, I'm all right with that. I don't want to see anybody get punished for situations that, that, um, they're in now that they didn't expect to be in, in terms of coaching or, or, you know, atmospherically and stuff like that. But when you got to draw the line somewhere, if you're the NCAA, because you're soon, you're going to have, you're not going to be able to say no, because you're going to have lawyers in there saying, well, look, like, why can't, why can't Danny play right away? You let Justin play right away last year. Like, right. You know, you're going to have all type of precedents being yes. set right now. What I don't want it to turn into is Johnny didn't win the starting job, so he wants to leave. And that's unfortunately where I think you're seeing yeah. a lot of it's the quarterback position because you can only play one quarterback. And that's what I don't love seeing because I want to see kids stay and try to compete. Right. Nobody wants to compete anymore. Yeah. It seems like, but there are circumstances <laughs> like these two where I'm okay with. All right, welcome back. Ken Ellen Bell finished off some leftovers. So, Tobias Harris, uh, was one of the bigger trades of free, uh, this past, uh, trade deadline period when he went to the 76ers, but was very interesting. He came out and he was talking about his trade experience. Right. What was going on. He said he was up at 1.30 a.m. just hanging out watching Netflix, watching the Ted Bundy documentary. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, and that's where he learned of it. It's kind of crazy that he had it. You've got a bunch of trade stories. I was never traded. I was just cut. And those aren't very fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. The trade stories can get really crazy. So first of all, the Ted Bundy tapes like that show was, was pretty good. Yeah. And I said off air, if anyone like, like if anyone knew what my Netflix search, like everything on Netflix now is like, is, is morbid. Like the Ted Bundy oh. files or like abducted in plain sight, which Coco put us on. And then there's some other like murdering thing. And I can't not 
look at them. Like, right. They're right so, there. So you said you like you see what do people search for. Yeah. So you know what I did for my parents? I didn't buy them a house. I gave them my Netflix password. Password. Yeah. That's what I gave to them. That was my gift <laughs> right, to them. Right. So they actually see everything I watch. So I got to be careful what I'm looking at. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a slippery slope. Yeah, exactly. But Ted Bundy story. I got to watch that one. Let me talk about my trade. Thing. Yeah. Uh, you want to hear about mine? <laughs> I want to hear your best trade story. Like, so, what was the craziest one? This wasn't me getting traded. Right. I was traded twice. I was working in the front office for the Cavs. We, when I first got there, LeBron was there, and so the whole message to the team was like, everyone's got to take a little bit off of their plate. Like, let Le- you know, LeBron is the guy now. There was one guy on the team that had a problem with that. Dion Waiters. Like, Dion Waiters was, his play was demonstrating that he was not cool taking this backseat to LeBron. Everybody else was fine. So much so that I was tasked with, like, having these morning conversations with Dion in the cities. Like, in, in Salt Lake, I remember having one, like, yo, Dion, bro, you just gotta be cool, man. You're gonna make a lot of money. Like, let's win a championship. You'll, you'll be playing a significant, a significant role. You won't be the guy, but it will pay you, like, right. more than you could ever imagine. So anyway, fast forward. We are going to, Philly. All Dion's ever wanted is for this team to be his. LeBron's not going. He's not playing. Kyrie is hurt. He's not going. Philly is Dion's hometown. Like, this can't line up better for Dion. Right. He is now going to start for the Cavs as the star of the Cavs in his hometown of Philly. Without fail, that morning, I get a call from David Griffin, who's at home. Hey, we, we got a deal on the table. We think we can move Dion. So I'm like, alright, look, here's the thing. <laughs> I am the only representative of the front office on the, on, if we're gonna trade him, Please let's trade him prior to going over to the arena. Let's not, let's not let this get messy, please. So it took him a while to get the deal done. I think the Knicks were involved and so were the Oklahoma City Thunder. So it goes, we, we, I'm on the phone with ownership. We're, we're working through the, the deals. I'm on the phone with our front office. We'll go over to the game. Nothing's done. So I'm still in the back, you know, as they start to warm up, warm up, warm up. I get a phone call. Dion can't play. I'm like, what? They're like, Dion can't play. The deal, the deal's done. He can't play. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't even know how much time's on the clock. So I run out. They're in the middle of the anthem. The oh. anthem is the anthem is finishing. All right. So I'm standing there now. The anthem is off, and you know people are looking at me because I come sprinting out of the tunnel <laughs> and the anthem. So they're like, the starting lineups go. So I'm motioning like, don't, Dion, no, Dion, no. So no one is no one is getting the gist of this. So they go through the first guard, the next guard, uh, starting at guard from where everyone's just got. Dion waiters. The place goes crazy. It's hometown for Dion. Yeah. Dion starts to walk out and I literally have to bear hug him and be like, nah, bro, you can't play tonight. And the whole arena is like, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> so I'm whispering to the coaches like, look, you just got traded. We got to go. So I have to escort him back to the locker room. He's seething, seething. Oh, I'm like, yo, Dion, you just got traded, bro. He, you know, all he wants to know is where he got traded to. Right. I can't tell him. <laughs> per, per, like the disclosure right. of the jail, so it's consummated. Like, I can't tell him. So I gotta, like, babysit him in the back of this locker room in a game he didn't get to play, pulling him off right as his name was announced, and sit him there for an hour without telling him where he got traded to. Oh. Like, it was the most brutal experience. <laughs> like, I hated it. So finally, I called David Griffin, Trent Redden, and Kobe Altman. I was like, look, I don't care what you dudes are talking about. Like, I've been in his situation. Right. Like, the least we could do is tell this man where he got traded to. Right. So, like, I, I was like, look, man, you got traded to Oklahoma City. Like, you know, this could be a good look for you. Like, I tried to paint it in the best light I could trade it. And I know this sucks. It's part of being a professional. Like, it's happened to me. Like, it's not, you know, it's not an excuse, but I'm just telling you, like, you know, it's going to be a good look for you going to OKC and whoop de whoop de whoop. But it was, it was brutal. Oof. And so here's the deal. Like, I, I the story is, like, when I tell you that players are commodities to NBA. They, they, our front office, and I love Griff and Trent Redden and Kobe, had no idea about the human side. They never even thought about Dion how, felt 
in that space. They right. never even considered his feelings. Like this was purely what was going to make the Cavs better and to chase a championship. And so I had to bring a human element to that for them. Like, hey man, this is a, it's a human being. Like, do you realize the situation you put him in tonight? Let, not not me. Right. But do you realize the situation you put that man in tonight? He's got twenty family and friends here. He's bought tickets for. Right. Like and they're all wondering. Like they're looking at him, texting him, saying, "What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. You know, like and so that was that's the craziest story of a trade. I think a lot of times in a front office you can forget about it because you start treating them like pawns in a big puzzle and you're just trying to put them together. I think as broadcasters we can do that because it's easy to sit here and criticize dudes. You know, I mean, we've talked about Markel Fultz. Oh, sure. We've talked about Ben Simmons at the start sure. of the show. Like, why can't he shoot a three? We've all been there where there have been like moments in your career where it's a struggle. And I think sometimes we forget and it's just easy to come down and just crush dudes because you forget what it's like to be the guy getting crushed. I got it a lot. Yeah, that that stinks. And I used to have like real verbal fights with people in the front office, like some of those names I just talked about and other guys in the cast front office when we'd be sitting there and they'd be saying, "Oh, he can't play or he's a bum." Like, you know, and I'm like right. and, and they're saying it just like they're not trying to be rude, but it can be blunt. It's very blunt. And and they're kind of like uh you, you know, they're they, they're worn to the idea of a guy being able to play or not. It's not a big deal for them to say a guy can't play. And I'm like, bro, who the hell are you? Like, can you play? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you just go cavalierly say that this guy, can't, he can't play. You play him. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like, what right. the hell are you talking about? And, and, and so it was a hard job for me to do because of that. Because you saw behind the scenes of how little they actually cared about you and how little they held you in regard at times. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. Tough, man. I'm sure Dion Waiters probably appreciated getting it from you as well, as opposed to somebody who hadn't played, because I think it does make a difference. It may be, but I mean, it was, it was brutal. I felt terrible for him that night. It was brutal. All right. All right. Uh, Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. tonight is going for his 10th straight triple-double. Who they got? Who do they have, Coca? Blazers? All right. We'll see if he gets it. Oh, yeah. He'll get it. Yeah, he's going to get it. All right. We're going to tell you if he gets it tomorrow on Canel and Bell. Make sure you come back.